Hi, welcome to the Rainbow Podcast. I'm your host, Tanya Papaniklov. Rainbow and I are on a mission to upgrade humanity with fungi and expand the collective conscious. This podcast builds a virtual mycelial network of bold, open-minded thinkers and seekers. I chat with experts, thought leaders, healers, scientists, entrepreneurs, spiritual teachers, activists, and dreamers. These are stories of healing, human potential, and expansion. Tune in, root in, expand, and journey with us. Hello, welcome back to another episode. I have a very special human and friend with me today. Her name is Amanda Norgard. Some of you, many of you may know her. She is the founder of Illumination, which is a creative house weaving poetic storytelling, healing modalities, spiritual practices, and community all together in one place. She's a practical dreamer and has 15 years of experience within the spiritual, creative, and fashion scene where she continues to kind of weave the worlds of art and culture and spirituality together with her poetic punk rock approach. Amanda is a writer, a lover, a creative director, and a kundalini yoga teacher. She is somebody who I met over the internet, which my goodness, I feel like is so many of my friends nowadays, which is so cool. Our conversation is so good. She's one of those people that, you know, you can just like get real down, dirty, juicy, real and raw with. I love those people. There's like no BS. We just kind of like dive right into the depths of things. So that's really fun. It was actually our first time connecting, which is crazy. I I really do feel like I know her and I, I consider her a friend. And it was our first time meeting virtually, albeit, but... Either way, just a a sister, and we have such a cool conversation about a lot of different things, Uh, kundalini yoga, relationships. I'm going to let you listen to it and hear it for, she's one of my my favorite people on Instagram, and in terms of a lot of things, I find her to be so inspirational, and as uh, somebody who just loves words, I've always been very drawn to storytelling and writing specifically and have had lots of many, many stints writing poetry and writing things when they come to me in those creative spurts. But she is a a really, really incredible writer and poet. And, um, you know, you don't meet too many people that are calling themselves poets these days. It is a beautiful art and she just embodies it so beautifully. So her words are medicine and I love this conversation with her and I know you will too. So let's dive into it. Hello, Amanda. Hello. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being here. Um, we were just chatting for 30 minutes and <laughs> I feel like I need to stop doing this. I was just chatting with Lisa the other day and we chatted for like an hour. I was like, why? <laughs> why didn't we record that? But thank you. Thank you for being here. I'm thrilled to be connecting with you. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. And I can't believe that this is actually the first time we connect me too. like this. Like it, it doesn't make any sense. We've been connecting in parallel universes or something. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. I have no doubt. So yeah, I would love to kind of hear how you're how you're choosing to define yourself these days, which is always I know I think women are slightly indefinable, but will you tell us a little bit about yourself? 
Mm, I love that. Like, how do you choose to define yourself <laughs> these days? I love that. I, for for a while, I tried being like, I'm I'm a, a human being uh, trying out creative expressions, and people were like, what? It's, that's not a title. <laughs> like, what the hell? And even just now, I did like an interview in a Danish magazine, and 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 they called me like a spiritual entrepreneur, which I thought was so yucky. <laughs> and then I talked to my partner, and I was like, I get that they can't really like title me as like a mover and a shaker a lover and a creator <laughs> so so I get it I get that but I would uh, define myself as of recent and as of now as a writer and a creative director and founder of Illumination which is my creative house of everything that I find interesting from <laughs> online courses to practices to retreats to tours yeah I think I think that's as <laughs> I can go. <laughs> no, I I love it. You're a beautiful poet. Thank you. Your words, I just want to like drink them in, and I love all that you do with illumination. It is, it's, it's like a yeah, a, an expression of art and so much, so 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 much. So I like to start episodes just kind of sharing something we're grateful for today, getting into our hearts a little bit. So, what are you grateful for at this moment? so much as a recent not as of recent but I have such a connection to just this internal spaciousness whereas everything that unfolds in that space I am just so grateful for but to be more pragmatic I'm very grateful for the young woman who reached out to me a week ago and asked if she could be my editor hmm. and yeah I'm so grateful for my community for all this yeah amazing mm. love and inspiration circulating and, mm. which has also brought me to you and this podcast <laughs> so yeah, yeah I'm very grateful for that yeah we did first connect online yeah. yeah I mean in that vein too I think it's really nice to hear that I think the online space can be of course like anything and everything just it will always have its like polarities and it is this while it is also this it, it's it's really been such a incredible way to connect and so it's nice to bring it back to that like meeting friends I have best friends from around the world because of Instagram like yeah wow it's amazing I love the internet <laughs> I always have I'm such an Aquarius I've, yeah I, I've always had like online friends since I was a teenager I think it's such a creative way of expressing and connecting and yeah exactly I mean I wouldn't I wouldn't have a company or a business if it wasn't yeah. for, for the internet and and I agree of course like it must be counterbalanced with an incredible amount of of heart and soul and knowing what is real and solid roots and connection to the body all of that as we live on a polarity planet but from that space like there is so much beauty that can grow and i i just see the internet as a creative hub but i also really get the human sovereignty like let's not delegate our creative or human sovereignty to ai or fun like chat programs right yeah like recently i've really been thinking pondering because there is so much talk about community but i'm more interested in applied community not just using the word of community as a buzzword, but what does applied community actually look like in micro and macro scales, right? And on the muses, which is my online course, like knowing that the women are becoming each other's friends and like business partners and introducing each other to partners mm. and fun things and 
mean, that just to me is like the most beautiful thing. Human connection is is the most important connection we can have. And so I think that's like the new step in in the era of the internet and a lot of online communities also yeah. applying the community. And that doesn't mean that we have to, you know, everyone has to like get you a job or you give someone a job, but it can be like, it can be a note. I really appreciate what you're doing or mm-hmm. like just, you know, mm-hmm. it, it's presence and it's, an, yeah, thoughtfulness as well. Like all these things, like, yeah, mm-hmm. what makes us human, right? <laughs> yeah, I love applied community. That's it's such a beautiful term. And I think it goes like you're kind of taking it one step further because of course within, you know, like an Instagram page, like whatever, we follow each other. Yeah, it's really just kind of like this one-on-one interaction. And so to bring that outside of that virtual space into the reality of like, even if it's a smaller space of Zoom or a retreat or an event. And like to have that cross-pollination is just so special and people are so, we've been so hungry for it. Yeah, exactly. That's the thing. Like, I mean, we're hungry for connection. Mm-hmm. And that's the, I believe the shadow side of technology is that we can be, you know, in hyper communication with one another. You know, we're just like one DM away. We can answer instantly, yada, yada, yeah. yada. But what we really need is connection, is human connection. Yeah, that's the solve. That's the medicine. And that can happen online, but it can, of course, that should also happen in, in person. But I'm, I'm, I've always had this, like I never, and I never got, if you see something beautiful uh, that someone created or you pass a beautiful human being on the street or something moved you, why wouldn't you tell that person that they moved you? Or why wouldn't you share that, right? It's just like, that to me is like the most beautiful thing. And I love, I just love sharing beautiful art and beauty and and craft. So even a sentence, right? Or presence, like your presence really moved me. Mm -hmm. right it's like and in return your life becomes so much more rich too because you are engaging consciously and actively and then life like a beautiful flower really just unfolds right Mm -hmm. this idea that we have to sit back and lean back and then someone just like serving us a beautiful rich life full of presence (laughs) and connection and relationships like did you show up for it did you plant the seeds did you water them right Mm -hmm. did you weed Mm-hmm. responsibility yeah. is something that I find incredibly beautiful and important an important component to a rich mm-hmm. life yeah 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 I think about like fertile soil mm-hmm. inside right that's a really good segue for this conversation I wanted to have with you I feel like you've thought about I know you've thought about because we both I know you practice kundalini and in that lineage and practice, there's a there's kind of this this through line of mantra and like the spoken word. And I think that is in part, whether that's an internal dialogue or an external dialogue, we are using words to create and craft a reality. And I think the amount of words we are used to using, is probably quite limited in our day-to-day. We probably have an arsenal of like, I don't know, 100, 200 words that we tell the same stories with, we ask the same questions with. We often can be repetitive in that. And so I, I want to just like, yeah, hear your take on on language, on the choice of those words and how we can start to shift that. Because I think we're all probably 
not so far away from a, a different reality via the, the words we are choosing to use. Maybe part of that story that we're continually holding on to or telling, whatever they may be, that may be. And as we know from this, you know, very rich and deep practice that we have both engaged with very deeply, a word, a seed has the ability to completely alter our consciousness, to change like the physiology and like just, you know, a transference of like this current to that current. And so how do you engage with that? And did you come from a place of like, yeah, how did that really change and, and shift for you over the course of, you know, the past, whatever, 10 years or kind of moving into this area of your life or becoming a writer? Hmm. Oh, such a rich question. Okay. So English is my second language and Danish is obviously my first. Well, maybe not obvious, but people don't know I'm from Denmark. I'm Danish. so <laughs> And I really intuitively learned about the frequency of vibration of languages and how different they can DJ our inner landscape. When I moved to New York and was kind of just like forced to develop and outgrow and evolve my school English, right? And I moved to the States when I was 17. And the first year and a half, I felt amputated because I couldn't express humor. I couldn't wow. really felt like I couldn't express such a big part of my soul and personality, humor being a big part of it. I've always been a word person. I taught myself how to read when I was four. And I always knew I wanted to be a writer. I've always loved stories. I've always just loved words because they really moved me. Mm -hmm. So when I moved to, to the state, it was kind of an identity crisis because as we spoke about human connection, right? All of a sudden I had to find another way of connecting with human beings. Whereas I really was so used to connecting through beautiful words. Mm -hmm. But then English opened itself up like a beautiful flower to me and revealed a whole nother way of communicating. Danish is a pretty poor language. I mean, or at least we've lost a lot of the beautiful seeds because everything has been watered down. Whereas I started reading, I chose only to read in English, like the minute I moved there and, and even just reading it, like I was so inspired and my, wow. my inner garden really started to sprout. And I would read Rimbaud and Blake and all these like really beautiful poets. And, and did you have to look words up or? Mm, some I did, but then I kind of just like got intuitively it. got it. And so it was pretty funny because then all of a sudden my vocabulary would now be like, like Danish teenager mixed with a little <laughs> bit of Blake delight, <laughs> eternal delight. Okay. And yeah. all my poetry from, from that period is like all very transcendental, cool. mystic, occult old yeah. man Blake. <laughs> and, but I really reckon like, I was like, it's like, I have a different personality almost. And in English, I do almost have like a different personality. So without this being through a lineage, I had such tangible experiences with the vibration of the words and coming from 15 years of anxiety and depression and post-traumatic stress disorder, a lot of my poetry would be very dark and it would be very much about how yeah, darkness was really all consuming and that became a very repetitive pattern. And I even like in some of my older notebooks, I read them through the other day. Sometimes I bring all my old notebooks out just to see like 
mm-hmm. always moving. And I'm trying, like, I'm really odd carving my way into some hidden truth that is that I am actually, in fact, repeating a pattern by repeating the darkness and using the words of it, right? But I've been practicing yoga since I was 13, but I had a harder time really finding the greater metaphysical transmission because a lot of it was very westernized, watered down, and I just wanted to get to the core. Mm-hmm. Like I wanted some truth. Mm-hmm. I wanted something that could move yeah. me. And like I'm like, it's great that I'm doing this posture, but but why am I doing it? And not just from a physiological level, but like how is this connecting to my psyche and my mentality? And so in 2012, stumbled upon Kundalini Yoga, but it was very hard for me to find my way in. And I still can't really explain it in a better way than the initiated gets the little breadcrumbs that you need to walk mm-hmm. the path, right? You'll like get the key when you're ready for it. Mm-hmm. But I had a lot of mantras playing. And I really realized, like, I was like, wait, I've been listening to this mantra for three hours and I'm feeling so different and of course also knowing we put on a sad song and that moves you and that kind of like transports you into a sad memory and it's beautiful that we can work and evoke the feelings like that but doing it from a conscious place is a different way of engaging with it but the mantras it was so etheric and I couldn't really find any I mean this is still back I mean it's not the early days of the internet but it wasn't like the teachings and the juice wasn't really available in the way that it is now. So you really had to dig through Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and be open to receive and, you know, you know, start talking to some seemingly random person in the grocery store. And then all of a sudden they know all these things about the study (laughs) of science, right? Be open. So when I then, you know, years later landed on uh, teacher's training, Matt sheepskin, and we started learning about sound. My mind was so blown because I, and yet then again, I was like, oh, I, I knew this already. Mm-hmm. So sound is, as you know, so etheric. And we're so used to talking from this voice, right? This voice, the conversing voice. But through chanting the mantras, I had so many awakenings of my soul through sound because Imagine you're relating to yourself and the world through this one specific frequency, which could also be, I'm not good enough. Mm -hmm. I'm not supposed to be here. I need like, I'm I'm a nice girl, like yada, 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 whatever. And then all of a sudden through the mantra, you take yourself down into the deeper depths of your being. And from that sound reveals a power Mm -hmm. that you didn't even know lived inside of you and that is now experienced through you as you through the sound and I had many experiences like that even that feeling of is this like is this sound current living inside of me this depth and I mean a lot of it I will unpack for the rest of my life yeah but looking at it from a more psychological pattern right or lens is what are the things that we continue to tell ourselves and and how I see it is that you know, human consciousness works in many ways at, at all times and in many different areas and chambers of our being. So we can engage with chanting and mantras and we can still also take a therapeutic approach to it. Like what are these? So one thing is what's happening inside of me at a vibrational level. 
-hmm. And as this is happening, do I now have access to a soundtrack and in a soundtrack that I wasn't completely aware of actually mm -hmm. repeated itself inside of me. I'm not good enough, whatever, right? Yeah. And and that's just so beautiful to continue to unfold that. I love mantras so much and it is as with anything, it's something that yeah, I really call it you can DJ in your mind. That's like maybe a simplified mm -hmm. way, but you like when I have to explain it to people who are first time genders, it's like Imagine instead of now saying, I'm not good enough, I had a bad day, life is shit. Now you're pushing some upper limit buttons mm -hmm. that are just sending different signals. So your brain is firing in a different way. And that corresponds to your body as well. And we know that water holds the frequency and we are made out of what? Like 70, 80% water. 99% molecular water too. Like, Okay, crazy. yeah. Yeah. So water holds the frequency, exactly, right? And I mean, you know this, there's so many amazing studies being made on sound now and, and yeah. what it does and how we can really heal and expand through mm -hmm. sound. And I think one of the things that is always a, a great invitation for us, we talked about coming off the dopamine rush, is that you might find yourself the first 10, 11 minutes of chanting a mantra and you're like, what the hell nothing's moving whatever like this is not working i want a quick fix but then you surrender because what is time and space and then the more you surrender the more you can grow in presence and in consciousness and in attention even and something so beautiful which is actually beyond words begins to move inside of you mm, yeah yeah and as you said like these seed words right it's the we have these, there are these seed sounds, which just one sound holds the key to the entire universe beyond comprehension and be beyond our modern vocabulary. It's an experience. Mm -hmm. I, when I was, um, I was working with plant medicine in the jungle in Peru, like six years ago. And they also worked with Vedic astrology so we were also chanting mantras and i so desperately wanted there was this one mantra purnam and i really so just i really resonated with it and i'm like what does it mean tell me what it means the maestro is like it means perfect but perfect in that everything in creation is perfect. And then I looked through my old notebooks then, and I'm like, I'm, I'm like, it's so, it was so interesting seeing how I tried to like target in, like everything is perfect mm. just as it is like now still from a very intellectual point of view, yeah. rather than surrendering the mind and just having this experience of the vibration of the mantra moving through you. And, and that's really the thing where even though coming from, a language such as Danish, which I which I find confined. The, the, even the vibration of, of Danish is very flat. Mm -hmm. And and that's why I always prefer speaking and writing in English because it's so much more creative for me. And I think I actually thought of this today. So such a fun you should ask this question, mm -hmm. I thought. Because for a long time I was like, oh I can't write in English because it's my second language and there's going to be all these grammatical errors and whatnot. And Today I realized, 
oh, I'm actually, um, it's almost like I'm creating my own language because I have no rules. Mm-hmm. So I can, like, I'm not confined and, and there are certain things and certain words that I won't know. So I just like make up my own word and roll with it. And it actually makes uh, my writing, I think, so alive. So yeah, it's, yeah, yeah it's beautiful. It's beautiful. It's interesting how the mantras can work in the body and on on the subconscious mind. Mm -hmm. And then on the one hand, it's like they're working. Mm -hmm. They're working without even really needing to understand the meaning. If somebody Mm -hmm. doesn't, just doesn't have the translation, they will still work. But it doesn't mean that you can like you know, bypass needing to actually look at the issue or deal with it or or be really honest with it or not under, you know, maybe not even understand it. And if I've ever, if I've ever tried to do that, it's, it's come up and needed to be addressed, you know? So it's, it's, it's such an interesting practice. Oh yeah. I mean, when, when I, I found Kundalini Yoga in 2016 and it like completely changed my life through the subconscious and my dreams were probably one of the most radical shifts in going from just an anxious dream, a bad dream, like, you know, not every night, but like things that would come up, like that were just completely unresolved. And then it would shift into, I mean, all sorts of like either no dreaming or prophetic dreams of visitation, like just beautiful, beautiful inner shift on that front too. Amazing. Wow. Yeah, and it's it's so it's so true as you say that, and that's that's also I think what what I meant because we think, but sometimes there is this idea that okay, great, I can just chant the mantras and then I don't have to deal with it in real time. Mm-hmm. But it can also be like, for example, I I chanted Mool Mantra every day for like three years, and Mool Mantra is really it's it's the root of the mantra mul means root right and it's like the first mantra the first sentence is ekonkar which means all creation that all is one creation and mul mantra is set to connecting you with your own creative powers it can rewrite your karma and lead you into your highest creative destiny and that sounds very beautiful and poetic but what does that look like mm-hmm. well Kind of looks like get your ass to therapy, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. And for I really think, for example, like I chanted Mool Mantra every day for three years, and then after three years, I was like, I'm ready to go to therapy now. <laughs> yeah. And right, a part of me was like, great if this can just work for me, and all my issues or my shadows will just like magically disappear. But it's also so beautiful and so therapeutic to look to your dreams. My partner is a psychotherapist and they work so much with the dream world. And it's always when we, when we talk about our dreams, it always like turns into like the most beautiful therapeutic session because yeah, the dreams like are, you know, the, the art of the unconscious and Mm -hmm. it's a part of us. And just think of that wild creativity that lives inside of us, you know, (laughs) <laughs> wow yeah that's beautiful yeah it's, yeah oh my gosh I would love to speak to Cal about one of my most recent dreams like but he would love it <laughs> yeah that I that will be a separate conversation it's so so funny I'm Simon and I are getting married this summer 
and thank you and it's it's so exciting but it's just it's actually brought up like fascinating like <laughs> hilarious fascinating dreams where i'm like oh this is like this is juicy yeah. i was presented with all of my ex-boyfriends and simon didn't exist and i was in this dream like i will not marry you I, like who am i like i have this ring on my finger who am i marrying and simon was like nowhere to be found um i didn't know he existed it was, and i was just like gosh like wow that is a fascinating <laughs> i i love that i love that and especially right going through such an transition such as marriage mm -hmm. right or birth or, and like any like major thing like that is so gonna put like a greater pressure on our unconscious and like mm -hmm. all these wild things that is gonna come up that's so oh my god I'm so excited <laughs> to see what else is gonna like unfold from that yeah yeah wow yeah I know it's it's so interesting well speaking of mul mantra if, when you said that, I was like, wow, it sounds like, uh, it sounds like with, you know, Pluto's transition, it's kind of like the, the universe has been chanting Mul Mantra and we're like <laughs> moving towards a, a new, getting on like a different destiny for mm -hmm. the future. I know you're into astrology, but yeah, what do you, like, what do you, how, how are you interpreting what's, what, like, what shift is coming? I know it can be kind of individual for every person and, yeah where this falls in their house but I, I guess from a collective standpoint how are you interpreting it mm, speaking of gratitude i feel so grateful to have not only found kundalini yoga but like have access to so many incredible healing technologies and metaphysical technologies i was always a young mystic i was always so fascinated and interested in astrology and the mystic and Alistair Crowley and like all of the things. But, but then back then, I mean, I was a teenager. Like you, like I could like go to the library and they would give me like a <laughs> shitty astrology book, right? And think like, I'm like cuckoo. Um, so just want to take a moment of gratitude to be in the age of Aquarius where we have such access, access just to to all of this. And well, the thing is. Again, we operate on, on multiple levels. I think I've been feeling this change happening, uh, however, very subtle but since 2012 without even knowing that 2012 mm -hmm. was like a big deal. Mm -hmm. But I see in 2012, I had some mm, pretty beautiful awakenings of my spirit. Meanwhile, still very much living in, in 3D New York, modeling, like all sorts of things. It's also when I, I stumble upon Kundalini Yoga. And so in the time and age that we are in today is something that I've been feeling in my cellular intelligence for so many years. And just know that how not I wouldn't say lucky, but it's just such a great gift to be conscious. Uh, and when I say conscious, it's not like conscious living, but like to have access to your attention. Where does your attention go? Have access to these greater parts of your spirit. And it, it's all available to everyone. But we do got it. We have to do some some digging. And I think that's one of the big things that's going to happen is that we're going to be faced with where are we and to what structures and to what psyches are we delegating our attention and our consciousness which is essentially our power and we're going to realize that we're only living by 
around 5% of our human potential and there is 95 untapped potential, which I think correlates to the subconscious mind. So the unconscious, because we spend what 5% living from our conscious mind and 95% in our con unconscious state. And sometimes the subconscious and unconscious gets a bit of a bad rep. It's true that this is where our patterns and limiting beliefs lies, but it's also true that this is where our greatest potential lies. So yeah. as the Native Americans always said, wherever there is a poisonous plant, the antidote will live in the same area. And the same goes for us. Yeah. We're self-healing, recreative beings. Yes. I had a big breakthrough yeah. around around the unconscious because I did. I was a little bit schooled, believing that the unconscious is something to not to be feared, but it's something that needs to be cleansed and mm -hmm. needs to be illuminated. And speaking with my partner, who is who's a Jungian psychotherapist, um, wow. I feel like I'm like I'm I'm like. <laughs> I'm like 30% psychotherapist, but I'm I'm getting so much interesting information. And I just love, I am Aquarius and Sun sign. I'm such a pattern maker. I like just love to see how everything is connected. And what Jung spoke about is, and he was also, Jung studied Kundalini yoga and he studied, oh, yeah, he wow. wrote, Jung wrote a whole book on Kundalini yoga and he studied, speaking of sound, the mandala of sound on the psyche. It's very interesting. Wow. Getting chills. Yeah, me too. So we spoke on the of the unconscious, and 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 this is obviously the Jung's perspective. But the unconscious is what moves through everything. It is the unlimited creative potential. And I was like, that sounds exactly like the Akashic records. It sounds exactly what we would call God, what we would call the universe. And I was like, I talked to my therapist, who's also working with the unconscious and and I, I I was like is the unconscious in fact just God <laughs> what we have tried to pers personify as God yeah the silent greater creative force on the invisible web of intelligence that moves through everything and then of course we're human beings so we want to we want to put a form, a format, a concept, and God has many expressions, right? Or some call it, I call it the universe, but I also just resonate with this innate intelligence. It's, it's something so intangible. I think now with Saturn moving into Pisces, we're going to see a lot of that. Pisces is poetry. It is the unconscious. It is faith and spirituality and religion. I think there's going to be a lot of big shifts happening around here. And then with Pluto and Aquarius, I think this is a beautiful dance of where have we delegated our powers to institutions, but then in that almost in that trauma of delegating power to religious organizations or institutions, have we then separated ourselves from the divine innate intelligence, the great creative unconscious? And I think there's going to be a beautiful couples consultation <laughs> consultation in that emerge is is what I'm feeling. And just what I'm also just seeing is that on a more practical level is like questioning the status quo, like, why are we doing this? Like, why are we working this way? Why, why is this happening? Even seeing Marianne Williamson now running for president again, right? Why can we not run a country on love? Why should that be more naive and less efficient mm -hmm. than running it on force and power? Yeah. And I think we'll, what we will see is, I mean, I don't know how the listeners feel about this, but parallel universes, timeline jumping, 
I mean, even see the the movie that won an Oscar was about parallel universes, right? I think that's kind of interesting that that is hitting the mainstream media as well. But I think what I wanted to get to with that was that I think there are certain books, certain art, certain spiritual practices that have been surfacing way back then and now will have like a rewind, a resurface, like the book uh, Think and Grow Rich, for example. Do you know about that? Mm, Yeah. Yes. So Lisa and I started a book club on that in the beginning of January and it's the second time she reads it. It's the first time I read it. And I just thought when I read it, like, this is written during the depression. Mm. And now seeing that, how that really almost is like a parallel situation to inflation or what that like, he's like, this is the time for practical dreamers where we'll need new leaders, new ways of creating art, businesses, politicians. I'm like, yeah, like that's like exactly what we need right now. And that was written in 1937. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That book was written in 1937. Whoa. I didn't know that. Mm -hmm. Wow. Mm -hmm. Wow. That's incredible. Yeah. It's awesome. It's awesome. And it's like, especially to really like not fall into the trap of, curated media coverage i'd say to choose your narrative is one thing and that's something that we're gonna and of course we we don't know how to do that quite yet because this sort of media is still so new so we're like developing in consciousness for sure Mm -hmm. but really learning how to filter your information is going to be a pivotal asset in this time yeah because before you had like four what four tv channels and then a couple of newspapers and now there are thousands and hundreds and yeah, so really to choose sovereign and creative direction of your attention and mm-hmm. consciousness and really refine your internal filter, I yeah. think, are going to be so important for mental health as well. And it's so interesting, right? Because you were saying how as a teenager, you were interested in the mystic. And that really resonates. I used to have like really elaborate dreams. And like I really believed that I came from space when I was little. Like I was like, my imaginary friends were those types of creatures. And like, I have dreams of like interstellar travel. Like I can, I see the landscape, but it's interesting hearing you say that, like, I kind of lost that as a teenager and reconnected to it in my twenties. But like, just to even think that this information was so secret, so held within tight groups, uh, like priests, clergy, like really patriarchal forms of control around these sacred texts and mystical practices and to have that and you know i'm sure there's like apparently like just miles and miles in the vatican of old texts and books like could you even imagine being able to have access to those but it's interesting now to have access to this at this in this day and age like we're so incredibly lucky Mm-hmm. And then and then now like the additional interesting piece is that like flow of how much information there is, which, you know, Guru Jagat always, I loved her terminology of like info dementia because that is yeah. really like what, what it is. It is like too much for the brain to process and it mm-hmm. leaves us feeling, unless we can really cultivate this ability to filter, it leaves us kind of at a loss for like what is truth. What is, where do I find the truth? What's actually happening? 
and I feel that Pluto is going to be dismantling more systems. And I was reading about how like if you're not in the right place, in the right career, in the right spot that Pluto will take you there, it will just kind of like boot you right to where you need to be. So I, it's really interesting. Yeah. And, and coming back to the social media piece, I think, or Twitter, Simon, my partner, like he really, he's a Twitter person and it's mostly for feeds and like really just kind of different type of information that you would, that you, and then you would find on Instagram. But um, yeah, I think that though, as much information as there is, it takes a little bit of time to well, A, maybe learn some discernment, but then also find yes. some sources that are that you believe are of value that are sharing. Yeah, I agree. And I think this is where connection to our somatic intelligence is crucial because you will feel that in the body mm-hmm. and everyone will, of course, feel that differently. But how does it feel in the body? Problem is a lot of people are not connected to their body, so they don't even know what it feels like to read a message from the body. And then we might, and you know, rightfully so, walk around thinking, oh, the only way for me to feel my body if it's like, you know, hurting or if it's like a great physical epiphany running through my body, but the body speaks in subtle voices as well. Sometimes it's not subtle, but I think that's the like the like such an important part of that discernment as you're talking about exactly because body mind spirit all connected so if we're not connected to the vessel to the computer or to the to the container we can miss out on a lot of information i think that's the crucial part especially and i really feel for people also just like talking to the older generation like where do i start and even you know sometimes not even knowing you can you know that you have the power to turn the tv off you don't have to take in every single news it can be kind of revolutionary for some mm-hmm. i know for my mom for example they always have the news going on always, yeah. and i'm just like witnessing the and bless you mom i love you so much but witnessing the roller coaster of emotions just going through her yeah. like whether it's a good news, it's like spike a surge of energy or it's a bad one, you know, mm-hmm. it's like, I'm like, what? Like, I'm like, what? Why are you, yeah. why are you engaging with this? Right. And, and it's just at a constant, but it's such a generational thing. It's like, that's like what you do. Yeah. And so when we talk about it, when I talk to my mom about it, she doesn't even know that she has the power to, discern and filter right and I think this is then here why the body is such an important place to start is then okay if all of that is a little bit too like up in the air like what the fuck is that like discernment and inner filtration like how does it feel in my body how am I feeling when I'm watching this right now and here I'm not talking about of course sitting with it and this like uncomfortable sensation in the body of something terrible happening. Like it's not just like turn it off, but you can feel it in the body and you have the power and the autonomy to listen Mm -hmm. to your body. So it's not, I'm like, as we spoke about, I'm a firm believer. I don't use meditation or my practice to eradicate uncomfortable emotions or truths about what is also happening in the world, but rather I use it to, come into a greater autonomy of also being able to sit 
with the uncomfortable emotion without being completely dissolved by it and paralyzed by it because from that state we're not going to be very creative from a fear paralyzed state we're not going to be very creative we're not going to come up and it's you know it's out that can sound so heroic come up with something but i think i believe we all carry beautiful creative medicine within mm -hmm. so i think really that connection to the somatic responses are so crucial as a way of coming home mm -hmm. yeah that's so beautiful and so so true so i think that's so practical for people to hear and remember and we're so used to yeah i think just the wanting the reversal of a symptom of the expression of, mm -hmm. of the body speaking to us instead of really taking the time to slow down and say like hey what are you saying like where is this coming from and there is a shift in that but i think we all have work to do because it's so much of our programming around like just take the aspirin take the advil and it comes from such a good place of just wanting to be okay as fast as possible. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And even when we look at the wellness world or the spiritual world, like the polarity to that is I'm going to escape to another galaxy and then kind of like yeah. forsake like earthly life. Right. Yeah. And then like that becomes a, a way of suppressing yeah. a pain. Yeah probably living in the body right and I think that is such an important part of this time as well is to integrate heaven and earth mm -hmm. and not and again everyone has a different experience it's been an important part for me has been I saw like speaking of of always being interested in the mystic and the occult and I do come from a lineage of very psychic people it's all actually it's all the men of course who my grandfather is in like a secret wow sorry uh, <laughs> order <laughs> uh, fuck that up. Uh, um, that's and and he's have you uh, do you my, know about like have you gotten details uh, no of course not like wow. i've been asking him i'm like what do you do and he's like we sing songs for our brothers i'm like mm, i doubt that you just <laughs> and sing along for your brothers and eat some food right but he's really he told my mom when i die you have to burn all the papers uh he's a high priest in within that order and my my uncle was a energy healer in the rosicrucian order which is a lineage of the temple knights mm -hmm. and they have a they have a big temple in Sacramento. Oh. Uh, he moved from a tiny Danish island to Sacramento in 1920 to wow. become a peach farmer. Huh. And then he stumbled upon the order and he became their leading energy healer. And when he moved back to the tiny island to take care of my grandfather's mother, who was a single mom by then, and this is like in what, like the 90, like that's in the 60s, there were all these stories that he had this bench outside the little house and he brought back avocados and oranges from California, wow. which was very obviously exotic wow. back then. But he would sit outside uh, this bench and heal. But it was all the men. And I've always, I mean, when I lived in New York, I went to the, to the National Library of Dictionary of People because they have records of every human being who has ever entered the States. And I found the ship that he wow. uh, arrived with. I found him in the records. But yeah, my grandfather won't tell me anything. Mm. But there's like, there's a memorial for my uncle at the Sacramento. Uh, so wow. I was even thinking of going there at one point to kind of retrieve some of my lineage. Yeah. yeah. But all of this to say is that the access to the 
more etheric realms has never been the journey for me. For me, it has been to integrate that in the earthly life and to find as much beauty and connection here. And I think that to me is really what just feels Mm -hmm. so wholesome because I would, I'm sure you can relate. I would always have this longing towards everywhere else but earth (laughs) or at least where I was right here right now. And I thought that human life was so dull Mm -hmm. and so confined and just shitty, Mm -hmm. (laughs) which definitely, again, grew up (laughs) uh, having a very, very shitty, like, uh, upbringing uh, with a lot of, yeah, just a lot of abuse and a lot of hurt and a lot of pain from a very early age. So I get it, like, from both this, and that's, I mean, that's also a thing is if you have, if you suffer a lot of trauma, it can really reflect into a departure, a spiritual awakening. Yeah, yeah. because that pressure, it's like it puts a pressure on the psyche. And you even see that I wrote an essay in third grade, which was about the bubble of innocence bursting on me. Wow. And I think that's such a beautiful image is that like that pressure will like break you open to the pain and the hurt, but also to all the other things. Mm-hmm. So I think that's the thing in spiritual communities, why an integrated approach and preferably any form of therapy and psychological reinforcement is so important to really connect the root to the crown, Mm -hmm. the body to the mind, Mm -hmm. to the spirit. And to to really wake up, I, I wake up every day and Denmark is pretty rainy right now. It's not like the most interesting climate. And I just see beauty. And I see, and I see, and I feel the pain as well, but it's like, this is a magical, magical Mm -hmm. place. Yeah. And then knowing the creative powers we have as gardeners that we can feed the seeds of the flowers that we wish to grow and flourish. Yeah. I can really relate to that so much. I think it's, I was thinking about this recently, how like, you know, you and I were, sharing some of our some some stuff that we were working through over the past few months and this fear that was coming up for me and i i kind of started to relate to that differently where i relate in the sense that like that upper connection has never that's been so present in my life and lower chakra like this lower sphere is what has been a little bit more challenging and then when you think about fear it's like that like we need we need to be tethered to this 3d existence we need to be tethered to our bodies fear is not is not bad it's human and like and that is is so i i just find it it's like it's nice i I think there's like in in spiritual communities just often like a lot of jargon a lot of like this really ethereal talking and speaking and it's wonderful and i and i talk that language and i get it but it, it's it's also just nice to be real to the fact that mm-hmm. we're so human and mm. this is part of our experience too it's it's never we can never eradicate our humanness and in doing so we will you know float off to those other dimensions and like it's to anchor to be anchored to earth and to be anchored to our humanity is to feel doubt and fear and joy and the pain and the challenge and all of it yeah and it is so vulnerable right like the human experience is so vulnerable because in that there is that sensitivity and receptive receptiveness to exactly as you say the pain the joy the hurt the paper cut (laughs) we can feel it all right but that's also the thing sometimes is you can't raise the heart so when 
there's this talk about, you know, this is a heart opener. Mm -hmm. The heart is not going to do what you tell it to do. <laughs> but why there can be a lot of, and the heart is not, I think the, what the mind, why the mind can be, feel why the mind can feel a lot of resistance to going into those places is exactly that because we come from, from an upbringing and like a society where everything that is considered dark, right? Fear, pain, anger, we should avoid that. Mm -hmm. I just actually wrote a newsletter about it. That for me, like every time I have walked through the greatest fears is where I have grown the most and where I have felt the most free. Mm -hmm. Someone told me like, oh, I'm, ne I'm never angry. And I was like, I really hope you are. <laughs> and if not, you know, that we can also look, this was also a, a great friend of mine who has a hard time understanding her boundaries mm -hmm. and anger and boundaries go hand in hand. Right. So every emotion, and you've probably heard this, like is energy in motion and emotions are vital, vital messengers of what is going on inside of our body, how we're feeling. So if we suppress them or if we exactly transcend them mm -hmm. is like a spiritual term. Well, I think what can be meant here is that we no longer identify with our emotions, which is obviously also a path. Right. But there can be something so alluring to just be like, oh, I transcended my emotions. I no longer feel angry. I no longer feel pain. It's like, but it's like, well, transcending your emotions it's, is not not feeling them. It is actually feeling them. And, 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 and that's vital. Yeah. That, I mean, that is what makes us human being. But just leading back to the human experience is very vulnerable. It takes a lot of courage to incarnate. And it's my own experience that coming from a place of really like mm, identifying with the pain and with the darkness, I had then kind of flipped polarity and went on to love and light and like really spoke the language of the ethers. And then now finding myself in a place of seeking a greater balance and really just loving it all and welcoming it, it all, but being okay and loving my vulnerability like the vulnerable experience of being a human being and that doesn't mean that I'm sitting around being I'm not necessarily vulnerable all the time because I think it's also for me I've had to learn who deserves my vulnerability right again speaking of boundaries and just who are you letting into these areas but again there can just be an I feel like I'm embracing the world from a more, as you said, more angered place. And I think that's where we circling back to what we started talking about is where you will experience human connection mm -hmm. and daring to be real and to be raw and to be authentic. And again, authentic is such a buzzword. Authentic doesn't look like you're some like, you know, perfect avatar who's like always cool, like always boss, like never that authentic is essentially like, having room accepting all parts of you and being okay with every part of you that's authentic mm -hmm. and again talking about sound and vibration well if that is the vibration you walk into that is also the feedback the biofeedback that you will be circulating through the room and that allows for for yeah. a greater human connection yeah and like that authenticity too for women is such a like it's such an unbecoming and a becoming and such a, mm -hmm. such a work in progress at least for me 
yeah, just a lot of programming and a real evolution in that. And I, I think that's like inherent to the experience of this within, you know, this age and where we've come from is is to is to have that experience, the transition, the evolution, the like constant shedding of the last skin. And the cosmos provides such a beautiful blueprint to move through life in that way. And so does a cycle, like the cycles of moons, what we're exposed to is like oh my God, I get to shed this again. It's so good. Thank God. <laughs> yeah. And do you even notice like how certain personal inner cycles and shedding that you're going through is reflected in the collective as well? Yeah. And how wild that is, that gives us a greater example of mm. an understanding of the process that the collective yeah. is going through because that same pattern lives inside of us because the individual is the collective yeah. and that's beautiful to see that mirrored and yeah. I know you're a big nature lover and nerd as well and like just seeing how these universal truths and cycles mm -hmm. are mirrored in the earth as well it's all there all there I mean, we're part of the earth we are nature so there is no difference and that is a perspective I really like to work with not that I'm not sitting with the personal process I'm going through, but it helps me to not identify with it and not take it so goddamn personal. Mm -hmm. Like, why is this happening to me? I'm like, dude, winter comes every year. <laughs> every, I mean, at least in some places. I mean, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's such a great reminder. And speaking of nature, I would love to hear a bit about what your relationship is with fungi, with mushrooms, whether whether they be functional, I know you love rainbow or, you know, psychedelic or anything along those lines. How have they helped you? What have they taught you? Well, so one part of my lineage is, are the the psychic energetic and then another part that runs very very deep is the vikings. Mm. Uh, so I come from like a very powerful viking lineage and my bipolar father did a lot of things in his madness, but he did plant a lot of amazing seeds as well. And one thing was to really remind me that I'm a warrior and I'm off Vikings. And he would always tell all these great stories, which is so unusual, really, that you're passing on the knowledge of your lineage, especially yeah. in, at least in Denmark. It's, we live, we're very cut off from our innate spiritual lineage so he would always talk about how vikings would eat a little piece of poisonous mushroom before going to war because they would be in, in total ecstasy and i mean in the northern shamanic traditions we worked with mushrooms i then found a partner who like seven years we've been together for six and a half years and when we met he started to get really really into mushrooms both the psychedelic ones and the medicinal ones and what's our uh, beloved guy again with the hat paul Samets. Uh, the mushroom yes exactly the the, the father of one <laughs> guy gasper uh, <laughs> was my partner was just obsessed with him and so the mushrooms just returned in such a beautiful mm. way and I've been working with, with psychedelics for, for years. And I actually, well, more intentionally for many years, but back when I was 18, I accidentally ate half a bag of psilocybin. And I didn't know that I was eating magical mushrooms. And I oh, had wow. 
a very, very profound ego death, like, you know, straight out of American Pie, like on the floor, like <laughs> not thinking that I'm real. Wow. And, but looking back at it, it really sparked an awakening for sure. Like something that yeah. like I haven't been able to really like retrieve up until this point, because I think that was the first time where I was faced with the fact that I am in this body right now, in this identity, through in all these labels, and right now I can, uh, I can look at my bottle and I can say this is a bottle, but there is another state of being where this bottle is not a bottle, and my name is not Amanda, and I do not, I, you know yeah, what I mean, yeah. and obviously that in a, there was like no intention, there was no setting, like everything was just wrong about it. It was so like teenager. Yeah. But then when I started working with psychedelic mushrooms again, I had to like renegotiate yep. that trust. Yeah. But then again, Lion's Mane has honestly been such a game changer for me. And I think it's, again, it's something that I can think of and I can just be so profoundly grateful that nature provides this depth and level of medicine and Lion's Mane came into my life again because Casper was wildly obsessed with Lion's Mane. That was one of the fungi that was introduced by the father of fungi, as with many others. But I remember taking Lion's Mane for the first time and just like almost like at an instant feeling how my neural balance just shifted. And even just now, like living now and moved out I'm, I'm close to nature I can witness nature in a different way and, and again as I said like understanding that that web of intelligence that is fungi I mean probably holds the key mm-hmm. to a lot of the problems that we're seeking solution from even if not from like like an actual like implanting fungi but just looking at the web of intelligence I've always thought about this like hmm I mean I know we fucked up nature pretty badly but why don't we look to nature how speaking of applied community how nature interacts how fungi interacts with one another that is applied community and it works and it works for a reason because there's a greater intelligence running through it and so like why don't like that's your blueprint like that's our blueprint Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and implementing that into politics societal structures workspaces mental health physical health I mean it's I love I love it I love I love that I love your experience as an 18 year old too I think I I can relate when I was around that age too probably not quite as much as you had but it's it's cool to think that your brain like totally changed at that age Mm -hmm. like whether completely completely and like those effects on that default mode network basic like turning off and turning on of other areas has long-term sustained effects. And I, I love like yeah. talking to people that have this relationship with whatever it is, like psychedelic mushrooms, adaptogenic mushrooms. And like you said, we are adaptogenic. That is is also our nature completely. I love that. I love that parallel so much. But like these are intelligent compounds that come into our bodies that know exactly what to do, that can upgrade us upgrade our immune system and our nervous system like what and is of us and 
genetically and in so many ways. Yeah, it's I I, I love I don't know what this is quite yet other than like just the transference of of us in nature and nature in us, which is that like life starts to become psychedelic, which is just that it's just mind altering. That's like what the seed, yeah. it's what the r- word means. And it's, uh, I think that's reflected in the beauty you see every day, looking out your window yeah. and these shifts yeah. in your, in your whole psyche and brain that have been this ultimate, like reflection communion with nature of yourself. Yeah. Like it's beautiful. And even like, this is the importance of attention and awareness because we can take a leaf, look at it, whatever. It's a leaf, whatever. And then we can take that same leaf and we can look at it and look at it. And we can start to see the sacred geometry, the patterns in it, same with fungi, same with anything. But do we pay attention to it, right? And just so to zoom in, then to zoom in to actually zoom out and see just that, yeah, that divine intelligence in that. And I mean, I'm sure you know this, like when you go to nature and you have no phone, nothing, it really turns into a whole psychedelic trip. Mm-hmm. If you attune your attention to that, I believe there's so much DMT running through nature. And just so to get that imprint without having ingested any psychedelic mushrooms, whatsoever, like that's just our human nature. And I think that's also something that like that that's a byproduct of kundalini yoga as well not as that practice applied because that practice awakens more of your human potential more expansion in your psyche so i mean we all know pranic high when we've been doing like really intense pranayama breath work and just that high we can get from that yeah. and the same high we can get in nature but again it's coming back to the attention, like what do we give our attention to? And again, whatever we give our attention to will grow. Mm-hmm. And that's where the DJing of the mind to, to attune the at- antennas to something that's more creative than destructive. And not that the destructive because night and day, all of that, but what do we give our attention mm-hmm. to? What do we relate to? And whatever we will relate to inside out is going to grow and magnify. And the same thing with, like, I mean, intentional eating, like, Sometimes I've had like these almost yeah very psychedelic meals with my friend when we really just like zoom in on the meal that we're eating. We're looking mm-hmm. at it, every single thing that we're eating, we're just looking at it, we're scenting it, we're feeling it, we're taking it in, and we're like, look at this beauty. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, the abundance of the earth. And eating in that vibration, like yeah. that's my experience. You can really feel the network mm-hmm. just firing in a different way. Yeah. And of course, might not be possible for every meal, but just like to know that you have that ability to bring in that attention for life to unfold right mm-hmm. before you and within you. Yeah, it's sensual. It's sensual, exactly. It's like it's yeah, in its exactly. like that lens that you can exactly. view the world through. And similar to how we know and come to accept, and I have actually also like created a space with weights, like a gym weights and we know that we can physically craft the body we can craft muscles and that meditation mantra yoga words like just awareness can literally do that as well on on the energetic level it's a workout it's like a yeah a a practice 
to strengthen the energetic body, just like we would see our bodies transform. That's such a good example. And I think that's going to make it more comprehensible for people who might not have any experience or be around Mm -hmm. meditation or daily practice. Like, what is it? It is like an energetic gym. And again, back in the days where we lived in nature, where we'd be hunting and running and throwing and jumping, like we had a more natural, strong body. But now because we live in the way that we do, where we are more passive, we do need to go to the gym or engage in conscious movement to build muscles and maintain muscles and physical health. And the same goes exactly for the mind and the spirit, the energetic part of it. And then the more you do that, the more, well, and again, because we are adaptogenic, well, the more there is a cellular remembrance as well and muscular remembrance, right? So the more you work out a muscle, the stronger it'll it'll get and the almost like the less you'll you'll work like the less you'll need to work out at one point because you've built up a different muscular structure my partner also studies and teaches this very interesting workout system called functional patterns which is really all about moving the body in the primal way mm. So as you would if you, you know, were a caveman or like lived lived in nature, throwing, jumping, running, all of these things. And so the movements are very organic. Mm. And when I started working out this way, I had to work out way less. And because the muscles that I build were not just, you know, iron pump muscles, crunches, and then, you know, summer body kind of thing like I really like work the core of the muscle but also the joints and the skeleton Mm. so and what that did to my mental health as well like being like coming into a greater balance like even feeling that the skeleton and the joints are in the right alignment created obviously maybe not so obviously a, a mental alignment as well and that reflects into in for Everything at this point for me can be meditation. I still love my practice and I do it most days. I really do. But I think the shadow side sometimes can be that you think that you will, oh, I, in order for me to be calm or reach my center or reach a meditative state, space, I need to meditate and practice. And for a certain amount of time, I believe that's true. As we begin to work out areas of our psyche that we haven't been working out, but Then the next step in the process, in my opinion and experience, is then realizing that, oh, these are beautiful tools that I actively engage with, but I'm I'm not dependable on them. I have all this power, all this space or awareness and attention lives inside of me now. So now there are new chambers and they can never be closed by continue to to air out the room and decorate and redecorate. There's also just such a because I think speaking of fear, sometimes they can be, that's at least what I, I meet with some clients is, uh, oh, I didn't meditate, like now I'm a bad person. And I think this comes from an old program of we have to do things in a linear way. And in order for it to quote unquote work, we have to do it every single day and we have to be very rigid around it. And that's a beautiful healing to experience within the practice is like, oh, something that's meant to be for me only now, like gets this filter of, of good and bad and perfectionist and whatnot. And, and I, I see that as a great opportunity for, for healing. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. It made me think that there's a study that came out recently that shows that 
I don't know if I want to say expert, but just long-term meditators, like with over 10,000 hours, reach the same brain states as people when they're on psilocybin. Like the yeah. the same things are happening, which really makes so much sense. Like just what we were just saying about the fractal, the slowing down, the feeling like you are in an altered state. Mm-hmm. It's just like, it's just like yeah, the ability to kind of snap your fingers a little bit more and like know how to get there. Like a little bit of like yeah. sea legs, like they like they say. I really love what you said about it being sensual as well. I think sensuality and and I think we've just we have a very confined idea of what sensuality means that only being related to sexuality, yeah. which is also just so fragmented because sexuality is the creative power and so much more than intercourse, but sensuality and exactly as you say, like Look at people high on uh, magic mushrooms, right? They'll take like a bite of an apple and it'll be like the most delicious apple ever. And you can create that internal state at all times where every bite you take and or even like feeling the air on your skin and seeing the beauty that is right in front of your eyes. Mm -hmm. And life is sensual. And I believe that sensuality really is the medicine sensuality is slower it's juicy it's nourishing it's like honey for the system and in a time and age where so many are burned out dried out Mm -hmm. fractured body mind spirit like we need that like slow moving it's also just sensuality is also the ability to be moved right to be moved by poetry, to be moved by the scent of your lover, your to be moved too. by your friend, everything, everything. exactly yeah. a human exchange mm-hmm. of connection. Like that sensuality is also sensitivity. Yeah. And the more sensitive we become, the more sensual we become. And the more sensual we become, the more sensitive we become. It's really the ability to take in the richness of life. Yeah. yeah. And that's why I think creativity is so on the rise like with geniuses like Rick Rubin who now just wrote a book that is blasting all over the world where he and he starts the book by saying you don't have to agree with everything and even just reading that's like of course I don't have to agree with everything like coming like go like leaving this black and white Mm -hmm. idea behind but he talks about creativity and the book is so rich and so sensual and you read it and this is a beautiful way of coming back online into your body. Yeah. Like yeah. Re- recognizing the somatic responses is like, I feel something moving here. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. there's something here for me to explore. I'm reminded of something. It's like, there's an echo in my cellular structure. There's yeah. something. Yeah. So it's so juicy. I just having a conversation with Simon about sensuality because we both there's a masseuse here on salt spring island there's gifted healers here it's really incredible there's this woman who i had a body like a massage with she also does acupuncture and i mean her touch is just otherworldly it's sensual it's yeah. not sexual it is sensual no and it's and and that's really just an like an experience of it's such a funny word that I think we reserve for only a few people. So, you know, him and I were having this discussion about this uh, masseuse and I was like, you need to go see her. Like, this is going to blow your mind. And, and he came, he came back and he was like, that was sensual. And I was like, I know. Mm -hmm. And, and, and Mm -hmm. like, and it's like, you should have that. I should have that. We should have that. 
separately and together and with our friends. And it's like, there's a boundary. It's a clear boundary. It's not a turn on like sexually. It's a turn on of the mind and of the senses. And it like, yeah, like exactly. a, a coming online of aliveness. And it's really such a delightful way to go through life. Yeah, it's so true. And if I'm sure in that experience, you must have come across some of the societal conditioning you have installed around sensuality being that it's reserved for a few people only if something is sensual it will lead to something sexual right mm -hmm. uh, am i even am i wait even feeling maybe i've had this multiple times feeling having a sensual experience and even feeling shame around it yeah. because all the ideas of oh that being This is, is this now a sexual Thanks. experience and, and where no, no boundaries was, were crossed whatsoever, Absolutely. but again, so embedded deep within the psyche and that just thinking how we have lived cut off from the vital aliveness, which is also sensuality is mm -hmm. wow. And I had a very powerful, sensual, sacral awakening <laughs> I feel like this is the fifth time I'm mentioning I had like an awakening but <laughs> sorry. coming online uh, last summer and it was the most beautiful thing but it was also the most terrifying experience because I really through that personal experience I understood why society as we know it certain structures are fighting newer structures or not even a structure but a new vibration i was so terrified mm -hmm. of this power within me that was untamed unleashed mm -hmm. so alive mm -hmm. wouldn't follow my rules right wouldn't follow my controlled narrow-minded confined rules of what i could be or how i could be expressed or how i could take in life yeah right and we can call it like an awakening of the feminine, but for sure, but just coming into a greater union. And ever since that, and that like, that ocean was really, you know, an ocean for me to explore for months. And it was so beautiful to sit with the fears and sit oh with God. the, sit with all of it, but also sit with the beauty and the aliveness. And on the other side of it, having as such an integrated part of me, I have been I've become more whole. I've become more authentic because i'm an incredibly sensual person but i was always mirrored as like a flirt or like leading men on a lot and the last essay i just wrote is exactly about this dismantling the male gaze um, and not no longer looking for daddy mm -hmm. but understanding that my sensuality my mystery my creativity is exist for me mm -hmm. and my pleasure first and foremost yeah. and i think for women and probably also some men that's a revolution and a big blowing up of the psychic framework because we've been taught mirrored and shown otherwise yeah, yeah. wow we will have to save that more for another episode i would love to go into that more yeah. with you it's it's so so interesting and uh like it's cool too like the the psychedelic piece if you've ever experienced like a therapeutic MDMA, or it doesn't even have to be therapeutic, just MDMA in general, but in the therapeutic setting, like, or to experience that with friends, sensually, sensuality, without yeah. sexuality yeah. is, um, it's such a relief as a woman. It's such a relief to just be able to like 
stroke your friend's arm lovingly and it'd yeah. be just that exactly yeah i went through eight months of mgma therapy last year oh wow and it was a very central room to be in again all boundaries were, were totally set but it was also very vulnerable to be witnessed in that mm, in that aliveness but and i also remember like when it, Casper and I went to Peru together. So healing, even as a couple, to after we were in isolation for the majority. So we didn't, we had nothing to do with one another. But the last week we came back and we did the ceremonies together and we could lay out in the grass after a ceremony and just be very tender with each other without it leading to intercourse because we weren't allowed to have sex mm -hmm. and with the other participants it's it's a bond that is so deep and will be so deep forever because we were so there was such an innocence mm -hmm. with this sensuality just such an an openness and yeah. and it's a very again I think that's why also being in touch with your emotions feeling and honoring your anger is crucial for boundaries because boundaries are crucial for vulnerability because that's really what creates the internal safety that allows you to open and so i i feel like mm, i'm not shy in sharing and i think also just as a poet and a storyteller it's really my vibe and and even in my classes in my courses it's creative mosh pit and i use myself so much because i can't help but not but i can only do that because i know my boundaries and it's not i don't spend a lot of energy on understanding my boundaries they just they're a natural part of me and i and i think that's very important that's why i can that's why i meet the world so openly um and because i feel very safe within myself so the world is a safe place for me because i have created internal safety and again growing up in a very dysfunctional home where there was everything but safety that has been my journey the nervous system you know a, a chill nervous system is the biggest flex and it's so the filter we like we experience life through and so yeah. yeah. Uh, so this idea of just like open your heart, it's like, yeah, but that doesn't necessarily work if you're a people pleaser <laughs> and if you're codependent. You know, like you need to be able to discern yeah. and and know your boundaries. And and my therapist, actually the one who guided me through MDMA, because boundaries were a little blurry for me at one point, and even if there was a lot of activation around it, and she reframed it for me and she was like maybe just ask yourself what you need in this situation. And that made it so much more sweet and not so much about the other person, but more like, what do I, mm -hmm. more about me, which that's your boundaries. Your boundaries are deeply personal and it's essentially about you. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. We are at, I'm, I want to make, it's been two hours together, which I'm so grateful for. Um, and yeah, I guess my to be continued ultimately. I I hope so. I would love to have you back. Um I, I feel like we could just keep going and going all day. Um and yeah, I guess my I always ask every guest to to share a prayer, an intention, uh a wish, just something from your heart to to end our session. 
Well, speaking of aliveness, I really pray and wish for every human being to experience the vital aliveness, the sensual aliveness. Mm. Yeah. Mm. It's so beautiful in there. <laughs> so it's so fun. It's it's really fun. It's really fun. It's really fun. Yeah. Thank you yeah. so much. You are you're truly just such a such a gift. And yeah, I am deeply, deeply appreciative of your presence and all that you are who you are the work you're sharing and yeah i feel like this is just just the beginning i actually have an i i'll tell you after i have an idea that popped <laughs> into my head but um yeah thank you to be thank to be continued thank you so much thank you with deep gratitude thanks for tuning into this episode if you liked it hit subscribe and leave us a review that is always very appreciated mushrooms transformed my mind and body and if you're interested in bringing medicinal mushrooms into your life and health journey check out rainbow.com for our meticulously sourced canadian fruiting body mushroom tinctures until next time peace in and peace out friends